ان اللہ انڈیڈ اللہ یوداین امنو ہی ڈیفینس دوز پیپل ہو بلیو ان اللہ انڈیڈ اللہ لب الخوان ان کفور ہی ڈز ناٹ لائک دوز اور رادر ہی ڈز ناٹ لائک ایوری پرسن ہو از خوان اینڈ کفور خوان میننگ ایکسٹریملی ٹریچرس the one who betrays a lot and kafur the one who is very very ungrateful or extreme in his disbelief such people allah does not like so if he does not like them then will he aid them no he will not help them he will not defend them instead what will happen is that allah will defend others against them so what we see in this ayah is that there are two things which when they are found in a person he loses allah's help and support Instead, what happens is that Allah's plans work against him. And what are these two characteristics? Khiyana and Kufran, Kufr. What is Khiyana? Betraying others. Whether it is by breaking promises or it is through lying or it is through disappointing someone after committing to them, cheating them in any way, whether it is your parents or your teachers or your friends, neighbors, whoever it may be. When a person betrays others, he does Khiyana. then he loses the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the second thing that is mentioned is kafur, kufran, kufranu ni'ma, or disbelief. It could be understood as extreme ingratitude, and it can also be understood as extreme disbelief. So such people lose the help of Allah. Then we see that in the following ayah, أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا The permission to fight has been given to who? To the believers. Why? Because they have been wronged and they have been fought against because notice over here lilladina yuqataluna they were fought you know one is that a person is fought why because he has done something wrong he's a criminal you understand so if a criminal is fought against is that justified is that justified if a criminal is fought against is that justified of course that is right that is something that should be done but if an innocent person is being fought against. Is that right? No. بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا They were oppressed. They were fought against. Who? The believers. And this had been happening since the time in Makkah. وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ Allah has given them permission to fight back, to retaliate. And just because the Muslims are still weak doesn't mean that they will not be victorious. No, Allah can aid them. Remember that the surah, parts of it are Makki and parts of it are Madani. So keep the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ in mind when you look at these verses. Because when the Muslims were in Mecca, were they persecuted? Of course, when you think about the time in Mecca, what's the word that comes to your mind? Persecution. Right? That's one of the first things that comes to your mind. That the Muslims in Mecca were oppressed. They were persecuted. In order to save their lives, where did they go? Abyssinia. And then the rest of them, who stayed in Mecca, even they could not hold on for very long. So where did they end up going? To Medina. So the Muslims who went to Abyssinia, did the mushrikeen come after them to get them back? Yes, they did. And the Muslims who went to Medina, did the mushrikeen come after them? Of course they did. And when they came to Medina, what did they come with? Weapons. They came to fight the Muslims. They came to kill them. They came to destroy them. So those who were repeatedly attacked, do they not have the right to fight back now? Do they not have the right to stand up for themselves and defend themselves? Yes, they do. So this is the reason why Allah has given permission to the believers to fight back. 
الذين أخرجوا من ديارهم بغير حق they were expelled from their homes without any right you see in Arabia there was this tradition of punishing someone through exile meaning if there was a criminal someone who had done something you know completely unacceptable what would be done with them either they would be killed or they would be severely punished or another form was go away from here you are not allowed to live in this community anymore exile you understand so exile was a form of punishment because you know what exile meant in that society it didn't just mean leaving one city and going to another to live there no it meant that now a person is no longer associated to his family his family has disowned him his tribe has disowned him now the people are not going to do any business any trade with him and you know what business if you don't get to do that then what does it mean you can't even buy food you cannot even buy food if someone comes and takes your property away no one is going to defend you basically you're on your own this is what it means when a person is exiled he's on his own now in this day and age you're on your own no big deal right but in that time if you're on your own then you are in a lot of danger think of it like this if a person is deported from a country deported their passport is taken their citizenship is taken away and they're deported they're sent to another country and that country is a place where there's a lot of violence where there's no security what does it mean that deportation is basically a death sentence for them right because they know that the minute they will land in their home country what's going to happen what's going to happen sooner or later they'll be killed they'll be finished they have nowhere to go there's no shelter no one is going to protect them in fact people over there are seeking out to find such innocent ones so that they can get the better of them so for the muslims to be evicted from makka this was a very very big deal you know this is the reason why when the muslims were being persecuted in makka the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told them go go and disperse through the land they said where do we go he said go this way and he pointed towards habasha why why habasha because the king over there was just all right and the muslims were told to go to habasha you know how many muslims went at that time only 17 only 17 whereas every single muslim was being persecuted in makkah but only 17 could go because leaving makkah was like giving up your citizenship leaving your passport behind leaving your property behind you can't even transfer your money you understand you don't have any bank account in which you can put your money in and then get your money out in the other country no so alladhina ukhriju min diyarihim they were expelled from their homes this is a very big deal bighairi haqqin without any right meaning those who expelled them had no right to expel them and what was the crime so called crime illa an yaqulu rabbunallah simply because they said our lord is allah this statement was a crime saying these words was a crime at that time you know just like at the time of firaun saying that a person believed in musa alayhi salam what was that what was that it was like a crime remember what happened with the magicians they said amanna bi rabbil alamin rabbi musa wa harun they said this and firaun threatened to kill them right and according to many mufassirun he actually killed them 
He actually killed them. How? That he cut off their hands and their feet from opposite sides and he crucified them. And it is said that Fir'aun was the first one to start this punishment of crucifixion. Anyway, so saying that I believe in Allah was a crime. It was a crime at the time of Fir'aun. It was a crime even at the time of the Prophet wasallam. Look at this example. Umar radiallahu anhu. Who was he? You could say that he was like the big shot okay, of Makkah. The man who was confident, who was bold. People looked up to him. Abu Jahl's good friend. And what happened? When Umar radiallahu anhu became Muslim, he went to Abu Jahl's house. Alright? Knocked on his door. Abu Jahl opens the door. Ahlan wa sahlan. Welcome my dear friend. Umar radiallahu anhu says to him, I just came to inform you personally that I've embraced Islam. And Abu Jahl, he began cursing Umar radiallahu anhu on his face. And he slammed the door on him. Umar radiallahu anhu, when his Islam became public, you know what happened? People came and they attacked him. They physically fought with him. And Umar radiallahu anhu fought back. And it came to such a point that there were so many people waiting for their turn to fight with Umar radiallahu anhu, that Umar radiallahu anhu just, you know, he locked himself up in his house. He couldn't go out. And the people outside were demanding that Umar come out so that they could fight with him. And then a man from the Quraysh, he came in between, he interfered in the middle, and then he said, leave him alone, he has my protection. But this is how it was. Without Islam, no problem. But as soon as a person became Muslim, it's as though he had committed a crime. So, إِلَّا أَن يَقُولُوا رَبُّنَ اللَّهِ And this is true with regards to many things. That there are you know, many beliefs, or you can say a concept, or something that a person strongly believes in. And why does he believe in that? Because he thinks it is the right thing to do, it is the truth. But what happens? Just because he's holding on to it, others oppose him. To the point that they want to kill him. They want to take his life away. So those who fight for the truth, sometimes they have to give up their own life also. And now we see that in these verses, permission to fight has been given, right, to the believers. Why has this permission been given? Allah says, وَلَوْلَا دَفْعُ اللَّهِ النَّاسَ بَعْضُهُمْ بِبَعْضٍ لَهُدِّمَتْ صَوَامِعُ وَبِيَعٌ وَصَلَوَاتٌ وَمَسَاجِدٌ يُذْكَرُ فِيهَا اسْمُ اللَّهِ كَثِيرًا That if this permission to fight back, to retaliate, was not given, then what would happen? Total chaos. So much so that not even a masjid, not even a church or a synagogue, any worship place would be standing. Right? And what does that signify? That if the places of worship are not safe, then what other place is safe? So those who are causing bloodshed in the sacred places, all right, in worship places, then such people must be stopped. Then the zalim's hand must be stopped. You see, Makkah was a place where people would come from outside in order to find shelter. Isn't that so? This is what we learn. That if there was a person who had committed a crime, right, and he found out that somebody's coming to get him, you know where he would go? He would run to Makkah as fast as he could, go to the Kaaba and just sit next to Kaaba. And then, you know, people who are trying to catch him, they're standing in front of him, but they cannot hurt him. And he's just sitting there smiling, you know, what are you going to do? You can't harm me. You cannot touch me. Right? So, people from outside Makkah came into Makkah to find refuge. Now, this is amazing. 
people who are in Makkah cannot find refuge in Makkah because of their Islam. So they have to leave Makkah to find shelter elsewhere. So those who are behind this oppression, should they not be stopped? Think about it. Should they not be stopped? If Makkah is not a safe place, then which other place in the world would be safe? Think about it. Because many people have a problem with the history of Islam. That why is it that the Prophet fought battles? What kind of a Prophet was he? Right? Or they say, he's supposed to be Prophet of mercy. You say that Islam is a religion of peace. Well, look at your history. Full of battles. Why? Why full of battles? To stop the oppressors from their oppression. Because if the oppressor is not fought, he will continue. And there will be no safety, no security on this earth. Anywhere to be found. And through this, what happens is that those who do zulm, their power is broken. And we see this throughout history, throughout human history. Look at Fir'aun. The peak of power. But what happened? He was finished. Right? Look at the nation of Ad Samud, the people who opposed Nuh a.s. All such people, eventually their power was broken. So the Quraysh also, their power was to be broken. And then Allah makes a promise. Allah will definitely aid those who help Him. Those who take a step in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though they are weak, even though they are few in number, don't worry, because Allah will help them. Because you see, initially the Muslims were you know, very eager to fight back, to retaliate, to take revenge, to stand up for themselves. But they weren't allowed. And then when the permission to fight was given, then reality hit. You know, okay, so we're supposed to be fighting people like Abu Jahl? These rich dudes who have so much money and so much weaponry and so many people, how many are we? And remember the first battle? How many Muslims were there? 300. And how many mushrikeen were there? A thousand. Right? So when you look at yourself, I am supposed to do something for the deen of Allah? Like me? What can I do? What can I do? You know, simple thing. If somebody asks you, could you please teach my child how to read Surah Al-Fatiha? What would you say? Me? No way. I can barely, you know, do it properly myself. I'm not qualified. I have no ijazah. You know, I learned Surah Al-Fatiha from my mom. Yes, I can read it correctly in the sense that I make no major mistakes. It's fine. It's acceptable recitation. But I can't do it. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a Quran teacher. You might, you know, think of yourself like that. But if you look at it as an opportunity to serve the religion of Allah, that you have the chance to teach someone Surah Al-Fatiha, and you ask Allah for help, that, Ya Allah, I don't know how to do it, you show me a way, you teach me. Then you know what? You do your best and Allah will help you. Allah will teach you. Allah will aid you. Because which one of us can claim that yes, we are 100% qualified and capable of defending the religion of Allah? Are we? Who can claim that? None of us can. But each one of us can do something. Right? Even if it may be very little. But something at least. And with a sincere intention, with your best efforts, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show you the best way. He will help you. Because remember that the deen of Allah... Whose deen is it? It's Allah's deen. Who wants to ensure that this deen is safe? Allah. You are just a tool. We are just, you know, the connection in the middle. 
So do your best. Trust on Allah and do what comes your way and Allah will teach you. I mean, look at the Muslims. When they went for battle, 300 of them, could you say that they were, yes, qualified to fight the mushrikun? Could you say that? No, you couldn't. This doesn't mean that we go completely empty-handed without any preparation. You do whatever is within your capacity to the best of your ability. You give it a hundred percent. And that small effort of yours, Allah will make it grow. Allah will definitely put barakah in it and cause it to be successful. Because this is Allah's work. وَلَا يَنصُرَنَّ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَنصُرُ So what we need to work on is our intention and also our efforts. Just like Ibrahim salam, what was he told to do? أَذِّنْ فِي النَّاسِ بِالْحَجِّ Make the call for hajj. So what was he required to do? Just make the call. Do what is within your capacity. Did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that call reach those who it had to reach? Right? Why? Because that was Allah's work. We have to do our part and Allah will do His part. وَلَيَنصُرَنَّ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَنصُرُ And you see, serving the deen, defending the deen, helping the deen, this is an honor. This is an honor. This is the biggest gift that you can give to yourself. Because the rewards are endless. The rewards are endless. I read somewhere, come work for the Lord. The work is a lot, the pay is low, but the retirement benefits are out of this world. And when I read that statement, I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Work for the Lord. Work for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because which other job can give me the money that I can be happy with? Which job can do that? Which job, which career can promise me retirement benefits that are out of this world? Nothing. There's nothing on this world that will do that. Nothing at all. But you work for Allah and Allah will fill you with richness of the heart. Allah will fill you with satisfaction. Allah will fill you with inner happiness. Inner happiness that you cannot get from anything else. وَلَيَنصُرَنَّ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَنصُرُ This is an honor. This is the biggest gift that you could give to yourself. To spend a few moments for the service of Allah, for the service of His deen. And you see, if we don't do it, then Allah's deen will not suffer. You know that? The deen of Allah will not suffer. It will still continue. It doesn't depend on us. It does not depend on us at all. Let me give you an example. You know when the Muslims migrated to Abyssinia the first time? Only 17 of them, right? They heard that the people of Makkah had embraced Islam. This was a rumor. So they got so happy, and only a few months after they had immigrated to Abyssinia, they decided to come back. Because they said, Makkah is safe now. People are Muslim. Let's go back home. And this just tells you how difficult Hijrah was, right? That they were willing to come back right away. So they came back. When they came back to Makkah, they found out that this was a rumor. This was not true. But remember, they had given up their citizenship. Alright? They had given up their passports. Now coming back into Makkah meant, you are on your own. Right? You have no protection. So what happened? Some of the Muslims, they tried to get protection from certain leaders of Makkah. Now, one of the companions, he went to Abu Talib. Abu Talib was not his relative. Instead, Abu Jahl was his relative. Alright? So Abu Talib said, okay, fine, I'll give you protection. You are like my family, nobody can hurt you. Because if they try to hurt you, they're in fact hurting me. They're fighting with me. 
So what happened? Abu Jahl got really upset. And he came to fight with Abu Talib, you know, argue with him that how dare you do that to my relative? I disowned him for a reason and you're giving him shelter? You know, I want him to leave his Islam. Why are you helping him? So there was a big fight between Abu Talib and Abu Jahl. You know who came in the middle to defend Abu Talib? Take a wild guess. Out of all people, Abu Lahab. Abu Lahab. Die hard disbeliever. He came in defending Abu Talib, saying to Abu Jahl, leave Abu Talib alone. If he wants to give shelter to this particular man, let him do it. So you see who Allah is using to help his deen? Who? Abu Lahab. Allah's deen will prevail. It will be safe. It will continue. It is our fortune. It is our success if we are a part of that. If we get to have a share in that success. This is an honor. وَلَيَنصُرَنَّ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَنصُرُهُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَقَوِيٌّ عَزِيزٌ Indeed, Allah is surely mighty and قَوِي He is strong, He is Aziz, He is powerful, He is exalted in might. And those who help the cause of Allah, what are their characteristics? Now let's look at ayah number 41 in detail. الَّذِينَ There are those who إِمَّكَّنَّاهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ If we give them authority in the land, مَكَّنَ يُمَكِّنُ تَمْكِينَ Like Yusuf ﷺ was established in the land. Right? If we give them, if we give them authority in the land, meaning those who help the cause of Allah, Allah helps them, they're victorious. So for instance, the Muslims with the Prophet ﷺ, they helped the religion of Allah, eventually what happened? They prevailed. Right? They prevailed. Their enemy was defeated. Allah helped them. Allah gave them victory. But once they get that victory, then what happens? What do they do? How do they celebrate? Because you see, whenever you're successful in something, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Like seriously, what do you do? You do something fun. Right? You celebrate that success. How do we celebrate? Have you never celebrated? Like seriously? How do you celebrate? You have a party? Lucky you. What do you do? Oh, gifts. Okay, exchanging gifts, presents. What else? Yes? Okay, you go out to eat, to a restaurant with your family or with your friends. Right? What else do you do? Okay, look at it this way. You were working really hard, right, to sit for a particular test. And then you open up your email to see those results or you receive a letter Right, and you open it, and then when you take it out, and you see your results on paper, and you see that you have succeeded, what do you do? You jump up in joy. Some people just scream out in joy, right? Some people just go around giving hugs to every random person, right? Sometimes people will, you know, take a picture and post that on social media, right? They will share that success with the whole world. Some people will call up their parents right away, their family right away, their spouse or their teacher or whoever, immediately. And what do they say? Thank you for all your support. Even though your mom didn't help you in that test. But what do you say anyway? Thank you, mom, for all your support. Right? Now those who are given victory by Allah, what do they do? Aqamu salata They establish the prayer. They establish the prayer. They realize that this victory came from Allah. And they don't forget the giver of victory. 
the one who made them successful. They don't forget him. You know, Surah Al-Kawthar. إِنَّا أَعْطَيْنَاكَ الْكَوْثَرِ فَصَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ وَنْحَرِ Allah is promising you a great gift, so, صَلِّ لِرَبِّكَ Pray to your Lord. Perform salah. Perform salah. We perform salah when we are in difficulty, when we are preparing, when we are stressed out, we make a lot of dua, and then what happens when we see that, you know, those results? What happens? We even forget to make dua that same day. Our prayers are delayed, or they are completely neglected. You know, we have to go to a restaurant to eat. We have to go party with our friends. Who has time to pray? Who has time to you know, make dua after salah? Who, who has it? Nobody has it then. But those who truly asked Allah with sincerity, they asked Allah for victory, and Allah gave them victory, then you know what? You will see their connection with Allah deepen and strengthen after that victory. This is, this is the real test. Because many times we're doing things and we say, I'm doing this for the sake of Allah. Right? We say this, this is for the sake of Allah. But then, how is our relationship with Allah? How is our connection with our Lord? If we're doing it for the sake of Allah, how is it for the sake of Allah if we're not even praying properly? We don't need to lie to ourselves. The first sign that a person is truly doing something for the sake of Allah is aqamus salah. They will establish the prayer. And wa'atu zakah. They will give the zakah. They remember the rights of Allah and they remember the rights of the creation. They deepen, they strengthen their connection with their Lord and they become more helpful you know, towards the creation. They are more generous with the creation. Instead of confiscating their wealth, what do they do? They gave their own to the people. Atu zakah وَأَمَرُوا بِالْمَعْرُوفِ And they command that which is right. وَنَهَوْ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ And they forbid that which is wrong. وَلِلَّهِ عَاقِبَةُ الْأُمُورِ And to Allah is the end result or the conclusion of all affairs. The outcome of all affairs is with who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning how something ends, that is also with Allah's permission. And it can only be good if we started with the right intention. Now this ayah basically is in you know an image of what a Muslim society or a government looks like. Alright? However, we can apply this to our lives as well. That in our own small ways, when we are doing something for the sake of Allah, then do we find these characteristics in ourselves? If we find them, then walillahi alhamd. And if we don't, then illa nillahi wa inna ilayhi ratirun. Because if the intention is corrupt, the action is corrupt, the results will also be very, very dangerous. But a small question to ask ourselves. Anytime we are doing something for the sake of Allah, do we pray to Allah? Do we perform salah on time? Or is our salah neglected? Recitation of these verses. Inna Allaha amanu إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ كُلَّ خَوَّانٍ كَفُورٍ أُذِنَ لِلَّذِينَ يُقَاتَلُونَ بِأَنَّهُمْ ظُلِمُوا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى نَصْرِهِمْ لَقَدِيرٌ الَّذِينَ أُخْرِجُوا مِنْ 
So those who are truly in Allah's way, they are not arrogant and oppressive after victory. They are not arrogant and oppressive after victory. They pray salah, they don't bar people from salah by attacking masajid. You know, there are many people who claim to be doing something for the sake of Allah. But their outward actions, what are they like? Instead of inviting people to prayer, what are they doing? Stopping people from prayer. How? By attacking the very mosques that people come to pray in. People can say all they want, they're doing something for the sake of Allah. But these are big signs. These are big signs. And then, وَآتُوا zakah. They will give the zakah. Not that they will confiscate the wealth of other people without any right. وَأَمَرُوا بِالْمَعْرُوفِ They will command that which is good, which is acceptable, ma'roof. What is ma'roof? That which is acceptable. Urf. You know, urf is that which is within the tradition. Meaning traditionally, culturally acceptable. And according to what tradition? The tradition of Islam. I mean, if you look at Islamic texts, if you look at Islamic history, there are certain things which are acceptable, that are considered good. And not just Islamically, traditionally, but also intellectually, logically, it's acceptable. The aql accepted, the fitra accepts it, the sharia accepts it. There's room for it. That is ma'roof. So they will command that which is ma'roof. And this means that they will not command that which is wrong. They will forbid from that which is munkar. What is munkar? I mean, reject it. Something that is not accepted, that has no room, that has no place in the sharia, in the Islamic history, and there is no room for it. Meaning it's not accepted by the aql, by sound intellect. So these are, you know, some criteria that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us to check ourselves and to also analyze others who claim to be doing something for the sake of Allah. Whether it's a small effort, such as writing an article, or it is having a class, starting an Islamic organization, any kind of work that people are doing in the name of religion, these are things that we need to see. Is there salah? Is there zakah? Is there amr bil ma'roof? Is there nahi anil munkar? This is how we need to check ourselves, and this is how we need to check others also if we wish to join hands with them. Don't blindly follow someone just because they appear to be righteous. Use your mind. 